Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Health Science Podcast. We appreciate you joining us for this discussion today. If you like the music, that is a good friend of the podcast over across the pond, oh, Great Britain. Great That's Britain. Daniel Hughes. All of his information is down below in the description. As always, to my left, I've got the man himself, Zach Hunter. Zach, what's going on? Just another day in paradise. You know, it's a great day. We get to record a podcast. We got a great guest today, but I'll let you uh, get into that preface. Little little hint as to what's coming up. But first, we have to give a a shout out to the Fiscal Frisk. Fiscal Frisk. Zach is the host of his podcast, which is dedicated to helping you navigate the wide world of business and finance, all that good stuff, which can be terrifying. So, Zach, we appreciate you doing that. It's for the people. Now, today... As Zach mentioned, we we got a bit of a special episode. Yes, sir. We've got a guest. So today we've got on both of our good friends, uh, Spencer Ashby. Now, I met Spencer in my undergrad. We both did a Bachelor of Science degree in kinesiology at Western University. Now, in third year, Spencer left the kinesiology program, actually went over across the road to the Ivy Business School, where he he completed is uh, Honors Business Administration, and after graduating from that, he attended Queen's University, and he just finished his Master of Science. He wrote a really cool paper, which he's going to be talking about today, and now he, he's going to med school. Dr. Ashby. Dr. Ashby, that's what we're calling him. So, uh, Spencer, thank you so much for coming on today. Put and some respect on his name, Dr. Ashby. <laughs> Dr. Ashby, thanks for coming on today. We appreciate you, and... Uh, yeah, we look forward to to hearing what you got to say. Well, uh, thanks so much, guys. Hopefully, I can live up to your high expectations here. Uh, not a doctor yet. I got a few more years left in medical school. I just started, I guess, last week. So well, a, got, a little bit longer th- until that. You made it through orientation. That's all that counts right now. So just, we have a do we have the applause button? Which what is it? Oh my god, I forget where it is. The sound effects. Nope, that's no, the laughing. That's Never mind. <laughs> we don't want laughter. <laughs> we have applause on there somewhere. Anyway, um, if if uh, Spencer's ability to go through his, his uh, thesis topic is half as good as his golf game, I know that we're going to be in for a treat. So uh, um, in general, and I'll let Spencer kind of go through what it is, but he's going to be talking about the association between age and mental health of Canadian veterans. So he's done a scoping review, um, and he has a really cool kind of background as to why he got interested in this too so spencer i'll kind of hand it off to you and um we'll we'll ask questions as we see fit awesome well uh, thanks so much gentlemen so in general in the background here i think it's kind of important to bring up a little bit of my history um, so the topic of aging and health has always been something that's really intrigued me and coming from the business background like Devin mentioned In all my economics classes, we're talking about the baby boom. We're talking about the impact that they have on society as they begin to age and get older for us. So after I finished the business degree, I wanted to kind of understand more about that aging process um, through a health science lens. And this project specifically when I was working on it was inspired by my grandfather, grandmother, because they actually both served in World War II. And they actually met each other and were married during the war in Newfoundland. Wow. when they were both serving in the Royal Canadian Navy. So it's a really interesting connection for me. And their story made me really curious about the struggles that my grandfather and other service veterans may have had with mental health over the course of their lifetime. 
uh, not just during when they were serving, but after as well. And I always kind of thought about maybe the struggles that he had and other veterans may have faced um, as they became older and aged. Um, so the big thing that we all know is that there's a mortal risk to our military members anytime that they're deployed. Um, but the mental health impact is only now really being um, recognized and giving the attention it deserves. Uh, and, and the fact here actually that I didn't realize until I worked on this was um, PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder, which affects many veterans, was only recognized as a diagnosable condition in 1980. So almost, I guess, 40 years after the start of World War II. Wow. Yeah. So in uh, in Canada, 71% of veterans who are on uh, disability, um, they actually have been diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, wow, that's, so a, that, along that's a high with, number. That is a very <laughs> yeah. high number. Jeez. It's a very high number. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's a stat that I found when I was working on this. Uh, mood disorders such as depression are also a huge issue. Um, suicide, unfortunately, as well, um, for both active members of the military and veterans. So uh, throughout my master's, when I was working on it, uh, I learned a lot about the cognitive and physical changes that adults experience as they age. So I was always thinking back to my grandfather, um, curious how his military service and mental health issues um, may have kind of been influenced by this aging process. So the real purpose of the project that I was working on, so like you mentioned, it was a scoping review, um, was to kind of analyze the current literature, uh, synthesize that evidence regarding the mental health outcomes for older adults who had served in the Canadian Armed Forces, um, like my grandfather, and put it into a, a review where I can kind of understand how that uh, age and aging is influenced um, by their prior time serving in the military. Mm-hmm. So this was, uh, like, like Devin mentioned, it was kind of a scholarly project that I worked in through my master's uh, as I completed it. Uh, so it's in the form of a scoping review. And I'm not sure if, if you guys have talked a little bit about types of reviews and, and that, but I can kind of give us a little background on those as well. Um, yeah, we've done so, um, some, we've done one meta-analysis, uh, but a scoping review is a little bit different than that. So yeah, please kind of... Uh, explain to the listeners what that would be yeah so yeah similar um but a little bit different here so as you guys have been hearing on this podcast before research papers are kind of the main form of how um, we improve and share our knowledge in the health sciences so it's important to do research and it's important to disseminate that research and share it with others so with a scoping review the purpose of it is to kind of identify knowledge gaps within the literature um, kind of scope out the body of literature maybe clarify some of the concepts. So when you synthesize lots of different papers into one review, um, it looks to kind of answer a single question that all these different studies and research work has been kind of um, working around. So it can also be kind of a precursor to things like a meta-analysis or a systemic review, which are kind of the the gold standard um, for evidence in healthcare. Um, So when you're doing this sort of thing, it's not only like one paper or one researcher um, who's doing this work, but it allows multiple different studies uh, to be compared, accounted for. Um, so it kind of carries more weight in, in the academic field and allows you to kind of bring multiple different perspectives and kind of synthesize them together into one uh, answer to this question. Yeah, no, and I, I always tell Zach, and we've mentioned it on the podcast too, is we love coming across, you know, if you're researching a topic, say just for an undergrad course and you come across a paper, you know, that's a review of kind of the whole body. And I, I always say it's an incredibly dense you know value for what you get if you get all of the data yeah. you know all of these different kind of research papers synthesized into one package and 
and it's it's a dream when you come across one if you want to learn about a specific topic you get all of it it's a lot of bang for your buck so it's 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 neat here too that you mentioned that we're not only just summarizing the literature but moving forward from that you're also going to be identifying gaps and if if we've done a good job on the podcast our listeners will know that you know, when you start off with an introduction in a paper, there's always a gap that's identified too. So yeah. um, this is essentially the same idea, but we're taking from multiple different sources. So I like that. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, it's, it's very powerful when you bring these together. You get a lot of bang for your buck. Um, and for me, when I was doing this, I really wanted to, to kind of answer one question. Um, and like I said in my background, it was really how does this aging influence the mental health of veterans in Canada. So I, I really kind of focused on Canada, especially because that's where I'm from uh, and understanding how that aging influences the mental health. Can I so, ask one question yeah. just on that too is um, you've kind of explained the background um, and why you would be more interested in, in the health of veterans too, but was there something in particular? Now you've mentioned some stats, but was there kind of one point that you realized that the mental health aspect was really important too? combining kind of this aging group with, with mental health or was there anything in particular? Yeah. So it really started off with understanding more about how aging impacts us um, both physically as we develop and cognitively as well. So cognitive decline is a normal thing that happens to um, older adults as they get older, as well as there's many unique neurodegenerative diseases, um, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, those sort of things. Um, that are, are more frequent in these older adults. Mm-hmm. And I was curious of, of how these interact with each other because it's well known now that there are these mental health issues that come about from military service. But I, I really hadn't seen anything that really kind of focused on the things that interact with these, uh, these mental health issues um, that are more unique to the older adults too. So I thought it was an interesting kind of contrast between those two things. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you're a curious person because I think it's, it's imperative, especially now. And like you mentioned with in the 1980s, when they just started recognizing PTSD is, you know, we're as a society, as a culture, we're getting a lot better at kind of facing the the mental health problems and having discussions and, and doing more research. Right. And that's, that's very important. So I think your curiosity is definitely, um, definitely a good thing to have. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you're, you're answering good questions. So, um, but yeah, it's it's neat too because I think we're we're fortunate in the sense that we're we're aware of that stuff, right? Like Zach and I, mm-hmm. I mean, I can speak for myself. Is we've always, since I can remember, have been brought up pretty well with regard to being able to talk about those issues too, and that hasn't always been true. Yeah, so, well, we see it a lot more, right? Oh, it's it's everywhere, and I, yeah. it's it's really good to see. So I think um, as a generation too, you know, it's it's good that we have people like you, Spencer, kind of you know, foraging through at the forefront of this and, and keeping it um, a topic, keeping it at the top of our discussion, right? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think the stigma behind mental health is definitely something that I might talk about a little bit later as well, but very important to confront that. And um, another point on that last one as well, the fact that PTSD was only recognized in 1980 is something that kind of piqued my interest because a lot of those people who had served in World War II, like my grandparents, or even in Korea, Vietnam, other, other conflicts, they're only starting to become old now. Right. So there wasn't any, any prior um, 
work to kind of look into with older people who had experienced PTSD or been diagnosed. Um, prior to 1980, it wasn't a thing. So I thought it was really interesting on, on that point as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've definitely identified the gap <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when I when I worked to search into this question um, for the scoping review, I looked into different databases for an electronic literature search, um, trying to find a comprehensive look into what research was out there. And as you'll soon find out, there really wasn't a ton out there, especially in Canada. Um, but I looked into kind of finding topics that were focused on veterans, um, older adults, aging, making sure mental health was there in these databases, and especially uh, Canadian veterans. So when you kind of narrow it down that much, um, it really becomes a little bit thin. But when I was doing it as well, um, I used actually what's called the PRISMA framework. And I'm sure you guys have seen this before, but I can kind of explain a little bit. I, I've um, talked about pr- it once for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so PRISMA, I think yeah, I mentioned it before, uh, preferred reporting items for systematic reviews and meta-analyses. So that's the acronym. And it basically just is a framework that you use for these reviews to narrow down which studies to include. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing this, uh, I started off with 109 records for my initial search um, in these databases. After removing duplicates, I was down to 78, I think. And then I did two rounds of screening, essentially. Um, screening for the title and abstract to make sure that it fit with what I was talking about, and then screening a little bit deeper um, into a full text review. And won't go into too much detail on on the inclusion exclusion criteria, but basically uh, when you're doing it, you want to have this criteria so you can judge the studies uh, on whether or not they're appropriate uh, to be included or if you want to exclude them uh, from the review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just essentially, I guess for listeners, you're just narrowing down, making sure you're getting only the most relevant topics, relevant papers um, to include in kind of this grouping review. Exactly. Yeah. And and once you narrow it down there, um, you kind of have to then be able to take the data out of these studies because there's a lot there a lot of the times. So I did a data extraction. So it was looking into um, putting all the information into a table, just a huge table I had with different headings where I could kind of see all the major points from each of the studies and then use that to be able to compare and contrast them. And, and once I did that, I kind of had four main questions, was kind of understand how similar the participants were, making sure that uh, they were similar to each other, understanding which facets of mental health were influenced by aging in these studies, um, trying to see if, if all the studies were consistent with one another, and then looking into the quality of the study, because that's always important to kind of have a, a critical appraisal in understanding the quality of, of what's there in front of you. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to add to that last point, too, and, and Zach and I have mentioned it, I think when we looked at uh, meta-analysis is when you basically take a bunch of papers and you not only kind of compare what they found individually, but you want to get a final number. Number You're actually adding up the effect sizes from each paper. Right. And there are some sophisticated processes where people um, who, who are doing these reviews actually can essentially rank them based on their strength. So if you had let's say a net effect in the positive direction from one paper and a net effect in the negative direction for another paper, the positive one, let's say was like way more, way better done, right? Like it was just a a more thorough paper. Um, It's like a weighting system, right? And then the average effect would lean more toward the one on the positive end because it's given more weight. Um, And it's, there's a lot of math that goes into that too. And you want to try to get numbers. So um, this process is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> yes. 
And unfortunately, in this case, there was not a ton of math going on for me. Um, but tying into the, one of the questions I mentioned was, was finding consistency amongst the studies. And essentially, amongst all of them, I, they were all consistent in what they were talking about, which was really great for, for understanding what was in front of me here. So kind of looking into what I found in the preliminary results, and these, this paper hasn't been published yet. I haven't submitted it for review, so still working and tweaking on a couple of things here. So this is all preliminary. But um, like obviously what I found, there wasn't a lot of evidence available. Um, mm -hmm. Many researchers in Canada weren't really looking into how age and aging was influencing this mental health of veterans. So like we mentioned before, huge gap in the literature that needs to be filled. Um, but within these studies, I found there are different components of these analysis. Um, that did kind of look into the associations between age and, and several elements of mental health. So I could glean some things off of those. And one of the main things I found actually was that um, PTSD and understanding how it was influenced by age was, was a big thing that a lot of these ones were talking about. And it was very counterintuitive for me because um, going into this, I had a, a little bit of a preconception understanding that um, PTSD has a lot of um, problems and it can be traumatic for many people in their mental health and i figured that when you add in these other difficulties that a lot of these older adults had i figured it might exacerbate the ptsd and might um, make sure their mental health is actually deteriorating but what i found was that um, across all these studies that older veterans were found to have lower rates of ptsd and lower symptom severity across all the studies that i found really which i thought was a really unique uh, finding in that part. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's counter to how I would have um, came into it thinking as well. Yeah. So there, there are a couple explanations I've been thinking about around that, but that was kind of the preliminary result that I, I thought was kind of, was jarring to me a little bit because it's not what you might expect. Yeah. Um, a similar one as well was that um, people talked about the use of mental health services. So another one was that uh, the younger age of the veteran was a predictor um, of treatment use. So the younger people were going to get treatment more. And older veterans were less likely to have treatment than younger veterans. So there's many different reasons that this could be happening, but it was another thing that indicated that the burden of mental health within our system, at least, um, being treated was on the younger veterans as opposed to the older veterans. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then an another thing that I found actually that was kind of a one-off within these studies um, was that actually older veterans had better self-rated mental health than their civilian counterparts. So when you compared veterans and their self-rated mental health with people who hadn't served, who are the same age, they actually had better self-rated mental health. Um, and when you compared veterans at an older age with civilians at an older age, they had the same levels of depression and anxiety. When you compared them with younger veterans to their civilian counterparts, they fared worse in all three of those things. So they had worse self-rated mental health, worse levels of depression and anxiety. Wow. That's a, uh, that's, that's a, a tricky, yeah. Like, like, I'm like trying a... to think right now. Cause it's like, I mean, my thought process too, is when you hear things, it's like, okay, like how, how could you explain that? Um, and I know you said you have some kind of um, potential hypotheses as to why that uh, that might be. Would you be able to share any of those or no? Yeah, of course. So like I said, this is preliminary. It hasn't, pen to paper and peer review has not happened yet with this. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I'd love to hear if anybody has any feedback on this, um, any thoughts. Uh, I'm still developing this and with the help of my professor, so I'd love to, to hear from anybody if you want to contact him. But um, We'll leave his email yeah. in the in the copy. You can <laughs> reach out to him. If you I have, heard uh, this on the health science podcast. What? <laughs> no, that would be great. But, uh, yeah, so like I said, in the discussion section, I'm really looking into why was it against my original inclination? Uh, and why was older age associated with these better mental health outcomes um, for veterans? So when I was looking into this, I kind of thought into different ways. And when one of these things was actually an initial thought of mine was survivorship bias. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you guys have discussed or heard of this one before, Zach I, and Devin. I've, I've heard of it, but um, you'll have to go through it. Sure. So survivorship bias, when I initially thought about this, I can give you a quick definition was it's the logical error of concentrating on the people or things that made it past some selection process and overlooking those that did not. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I've, I've came across this as like when you're doing, and it's a survivorship bias, but the one um, particular data analysis is literally a survival analysis. And, and when you're doing um, hazard and risk ratios, it has to keep in it's called when data is censored right you're only taking it into account you know after or before a certain event so it ends up kind of filtering itself in a way that is inherently biased so i I could see statistically how that would work but it's it's neat to see that um used in this like basically the same uh definition used here Mm -hmm. so this is just my thought on it here was that a lot of these veterans who may have not lived into older age, whether that be because uh, other health issues, not surviving, um, their mental health was so poor that, um, that they didn't survive via suicide or other, other means, um, they may not be reflected in these results. Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of my thought when I initially went through this um, into thinking that survivorship bias may be a possible reason why. And then the second one I was looking into, like we talked about before, was, was stigma. Um, so it could be definitely be a reason why the prevalence is lower in these older cohorts is there's a stigma surrounding mental health where they don't want to access treatment. Yeah, and that's the one right. thing that we found as well, right, was the younger veterans were seeking treatment. Um, maybe they have the same levels as the older veterans, but the older veterans just aren't looking to be treated for it. Um, they're not open enough about that. And there's a stigma surrounding going and accessing these mental health services. Now, yeah. can I ask too, like, and I, I've said this before with, um, what paper was it? It was um, it was the one that when you blind the participants to the questions that you're actually asking them. So it was the, they had young females and they wanted to see the effect of kind of unattainable body images, right? So they didn't actually know that their self-confidence and stuff was being uh, measured so that they actually kind of answered honestly. Now I know one of the limitations here is is just self-report data. You have to bank on the fact that people are actually giving you their honest answer. And there's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff we do on the, on the research end, you know, to make sure that the environment in which people are answering these things are not, uh, you know, they're not, they don't feel like they're persuaded to put a certain answer. There's no expectations, right? You got to right. kind of avoid all that stuff too. Um, so it'd be neat to kind of go into the, the methods of some of these papers that got self-report data to kind of see how they potentially could have limited that. Right. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. my, my question too is like when I think about all of this too, 
is I again I come strictly from a finance side of it and I know Canada strictly spends a very low GDP per military and like even though it has been increasing is there just more people in the force now which is why like younger generation like it might be like worse mental health because there's just generally more people within the forces yeah no there's there's definitely potential for that um, the one caveat I would say is we did have a lot of people in the forces um, at the time my grandparents served for example right in World oh, War II and, and some yeah. of these big moments so it's it's definitely dependent on, on a multitude of different factors I'm sure uh, the number of people and and yeah, that's why I'm just trying to explore different ideas here and, and kind of uncover um, a little bit more reasoning about why this could possibly, um, why I could possibly have found these results. So the last thing I kind of thought about here, um, yeah, was a lot of the times this may not be studied heavily in Canada. Um, and I think there's definitely potential avenues for further research. So possibly when you study this more and you actually focus on this topic specifically, there could definitely be things that we may uncover. Um, there wasn't a huge set of data I was working from with this. So if, if future studies are able to find results that might contradict these results, um, they might have better methods to, to kind of uh, make sure that these biases, um, and like you said, Devin, self-report data, the methodology, uh, could prevent um, some of these results that may be, be biasing and, and skewing the data in, in a way. Yeah, I think the thing with, with I guess anything in the field of mental health too is it's just, it's happening right now, right? Like it, 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 you learn so much new stuff yeah. every time they do a study, and and there's so many different facets of, because I think for me, like looking at you know the way in this case it's it's an occupation or even event if you want to just say the war, um, affects, you know the mental health of people but then again you know when when spencer mentions kind of the effect of stigma there's also culture that's involved in that too like type of analyses that you have to do on this is not just like cause and effect right like it's mm -hmm. it's not that easy yeah there's so many things going into it and that's i guess the challenging nature of this field right is is you, you can't just kind of look at an association between two things because like i'm i'm thinking of yeah, like with the survivorship bias, you'd be like, well, maybe the people that survived were just ones that weren't affected as much. You know what I mean? So they tend to have longer lifespans and then they get into stuff. So, you know, the the association, or the perceived association between age can be biased by that. And I would say not only that, but there's probably a multitude of factors, right? And then if that were the case, what would cause somebody to, you know, have less of your symptoms to live longer? Right. Like are there certain, you know, um, experiences that they had during the war, you know, were they not trained properly? Right. I know a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, people that were drafted into war, not that they were necessarily rushed into it, but it's a lot different than today's climate. Right. There's so many factors that go into that too. That's like, yeah, you, know, you put all your variables on the table. Like, what do you look at first? <laughs> so it's like, exactly. It's it's one of those things where you're gonna have to study it for a long time yeah. right, and really get a good idea. And I guess the silly thing is too is like once you study it for a long time, because you know the culture and because of our understanding is always adapting. It's like once you learn one thing, it's like a couple of years later that might be an outdated understanding. Yeah. So it's like you always have to be updating and always have to be looking at kind of the next thing in the field and and just kind of building on previous knowledge, right? Exactly. 
And yeah, in, in tying into that as well, when you look at the different conflicts, uh, World War II was different than Korea, which was different than peacekeeping uh, in Rwanda and the Balkans. It was different than Afghanistan. So it, it's so hard to make these these temporal comparisons between these groups. But I thought it was just an interesting finding that we found here. Um, definitely a rabbit hole if you get down into all the different variables that could be contributing and the mechanisms behind it. But definitely something that I, I want to kind of keep looking into here and, and further invest to getting in the future. Yeah. So I guess that would be kind of my kind of a final follow-up question to that too is, you know, um, where can we, where do you think this field is, is going in the future? What do you see, what type of research do we see need to happen? Um, if you've kind of thought about that, like what are the next steps here? Yeah. So I think that's, that's a very open question right now because from what I've seen, nobody really is doing this research. So it, it really has to be kind of what you make of it. And, and my understanding of, of kind of where I want to see things go is it just have a, a more nuanced understanding of, of how these different things, um, the aging process. And as we understand more about uh, our baby boom and as we age this way, how it, how it influences and interacts with other facets of health. And I think that can be really interesting across not only PTSD and veterans, but across all facets of, of health and, and, and aging as well. So there could definitely be a lot of, of future study on that. Yep. And it's a need. I mean, I'm, I'm in Parkinson's research, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of hardworking people that I've, I've met kind of along my academic journey that are putting the work into, to help our aging population. Spencer is one of those people. And you're going to continue to do that as, as Dr. Ashby when you're actually Dr. Ashby. (laughs) (laughs) One day, one day. (laughs) Now. Okay. Well, I think, um, Zach, have you any other kind of last questions or, or words you wanted to add in? No, just thank you for the work that you're doing, Spenny, and uh, keep it up. Alrighty. Well, um, yeah, that, I think that wraps it up pretty neatly. Um, Spencer, thanks again, you know, for coming on and, and sharing your research with us. And, you know, it's been neat to, to look at some of the, the type of even methodology that you go through. I know we focus a lot on methodology here to kind of explain to people, you know, why things are done the way they're done. So you did a very good job explaining, um, you know, the, the steps that you actually did to kind of synthesize this knowledge, some really cool facts too. I mean, I'm amazed with the amount of, of PTSD, uh, you know, in Canada, 71% of veterans 70 plus percent of received huge. disability have been diagnosed with PTSD. And that's a number that we'd all like to see knocked down or at least manage better. So, um, yeah, some amazing facts. You did really good with the, the breakdown of how you did everything. And I think, um, I definitely learned something and I know our listeners will too. Yeah. So, all right. Well, well, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been an honor to be on the podcast. On that note, we'll catch you next time. Music, Daniel Hughes, check him out. Fiscal Frisk, my guy Zach Frisk. Hunter. Go over there. New episodes Thursday mornings. Yes, sir. For Zach and I, and for Spencer this time, stay happy and healthy, and thanks for joining us on the Health Science Podcast. <laughs>